This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you to another episode here on the Rejoicing in the Word podcast. We want to thank everyone who's reached out to us with their uh, support, different comments you've given. Um, Just this past week, I was speaking to someone in our congregation here at Susquehanna Valley, and they were telling us, uh, just giving us some feedback and sharing how the podcast was a blessing to them. And we're always encouraged, and um, it's always encouraging to know that the Lord's using this opportunity that we have to be an encouragement to other Christians um, around us. And so we want to encourage you to continue listening, continue following us. Visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rwmin. That's rw, like rejoicing in the word, min, ministries. And we'd love for you to message us, share it, like it for the quickest updates that we put out. Uh, If you go on there, you're going to see that there are some memes that are put up. There's some verses that are put up. There's some quotes that are put up there, etc. And so we just want that to be a blessing and give you something to follow there as you listen. And then also follow us on the Rejoicing in the Word podcast. Also, don't forget the Rejoicing in the Word blog. You can find that at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog, the Rejoicing in the Word blog. And hope that is a great blessing to you as well. And we are looking forward, as we're looking at concluding here season one shortly, we're looking to start up season number two. It's going to be dropping here in the spring of 2023. So we want to hear your feedback if you have perhaps some topic ideas, um, You know, anything that you'd like for us to consider as we go into the second season, we'd love to hear from you. And you can do that by going to Facebook.com and messaging us there on our Facebook page. So we'd love to hear from you. And please reach out to us. And it has been just a joy, really, as we are wrapping up season one to be working through the scriptures here, specifically in Romans, looking at how we can rejoice in the word. Well, that's a good segue, rejoicing in the Word. The last several weeks we've been looking at the attributes of one that is rejoicing. Obviously, it's an easy thing in life to look and to say, oh, yes, we should rejoice. The Scripture says we've ended almost every podcast this particular season with a verse that had something to do with rejoicing. And, of course, joy and rejoicing, that's the gift that God has given. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. God has given to those who have trusted, and you might even say obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling of the Spirit of God, and as a result of his presence, we have joy. And it's taken us to Romans chapter 1 for the last several episodes, and we've been looking at a number of attributes of an individual uh, that was perpetually rejoicing in the Lord. I think of Philippians 4, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. That was words that the Holy Spirit of God moved on the Apostle Paul's heart as he would write there. And when you look at his life, particularly in Romans chapter 1, you see a number of times he refers to himself, I. I am this. I am this. In each of those, we've just been looking at attributes that we can see in these passages referencing uh, the joy that he had and how it looked like, how you might describe it and see it. We've looked at one of those characteristics being that he was thankful to God for them and for their faith. He was a, he was a thankful individual. A, joy, a rejoicing Christian, rather, is a thankful Christian. 
He had heartfelt service. He had a submissiveness about him, uh, uh, certainly a loving spirit, humility, fruitfulness, obedience. Obedience, and and then today we want to look at this final attribute that we're engaging in. It comes right out of Romans chapter one and verse fifteen. Let me read that for us here. The scriptures say, "So as much as in me is, I am ready," and that's our key word there. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. Also, have you ever considered about the things that you're ready to do? You know, as a child that might have some chores, you've got to empty the dishwasher, you've got to take out the trash. We're never really in it of ourselves, ready to do it. Sure. You know, we're masters of procrastination. I'm not ready. Uh, The life the Apostle Paul had in particular was one that was fraught with many difficulties, many toils and snares, as the the songwriter places it. Uh, One would say, what allowed him to be ready? Uh, And that word ready, again, it has with it the aspect of forward, willing. He's ready to serve, too. Absolutely. Fully engaged in it, uh, he says in the verse, as much as within me, in every fiber of my being, I am ready to serve, particularly the Lord, by the preaching of the gospel. Uh, this eagerness is a product of one that has the joy of the Lord and sees then a, a, a massive zealous, if you will, desire to serve the God of our salvation. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we hear much of trials and first frustrations, particularly as it pertains to ministry. And surely, of course, laboring, especially in the idea of spiritual labor, is weariness. But Paul is eager to engage in this. He's ready. And uh, he preaches the gospel many places. Rome was not the first nor the last place. Well, perhaps the last place, but not the first place that he would preach the gospel. He does so in other places uh, like uh, Acts, Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens. Uh, the last time that the scripture records that he would be preaching the gospel, likely in Rome, is Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17. And he notes there, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. This is at that first answer that he's given before the tribunal. But if you'll note, to get his attitude by which he would preach, you could revert back to verse 6 of the same chapter. And you'll note what it says. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. There's our emphasis again. He's I'm ready. ready. I'm absolutely honed in, geared up about the opportunity that is placed before him. And that in particular, I just this gets the best of me sometimes, but the word picture for ready to be offered, that has the idea of a drink offering. I'm ready for, I'm ready to meet the Lord. I am ready to serve the Lord, even if it might be my very life. This is what I have been given for. This is what I've been served. That's a excessive exposure to the joy of the Lord. Well, think think about someone who does not have the joy of the Lord. I'm specifically referring to someone who's lost. What are they ready to do? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know exactly. That could surely change between people, but uh, on a number of times I think about Hebrews, it's appointed a man once to die, and after this the judgment. No man's truly ever ready to see the end of this life. Yeah. And as we even look in perhaps... As we're sitting in our in the church in a congregation out in listening to the preaching of God's word, and we leave the church house and we're going about our daily lives, are we are we ready to preach the gospel to those around us? Are we ready to 
show the love of Christ to somebody? Or are we ready to attend church the next day? You know, am I ready to be obedient to the Lord? Am I ready to follow in the will of God? I think all of this emphasizes a great truth. And what's the source of the joy, you know? How could he always be ready? And I think this great truth, we could look at Galatians 2 and verse 20. The scriptures say there, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a powerful expression. But through this singular verse, I think there's at least three truths that we can apply that would give us an insight of why the Apostle Paul had such eagerness as it related to the service of the Lord. Uh, I would note this. His eagerness was not produced because it was with such fanfare by which he served. Right. He didn't have much fanfare. (laughs) No. In Philippians chapter 1, he's talking about men adding to his bonds. Um, by how they were preaching the gospel, and they, or at least preaching, and how they were engaging. The government definitely wasn't they did not cheering a, him on. <laughs> no, they did not pray imprisoned him. Uh, the Jews, the religious Jews, and by that extent, you know, he refers to them as his brethren, so it's not extensive family that was applauding his life decisions. Right. So what was it? And I, I think first he recognized whose life he was to be living for. What is this life that he has? His hopes, his ambitions, his dreams of, of, um, of his youth till now. He said in Philippians chapter 3, I count it all but naught. He recognized the new life that was to be found in Christ, and this was the life that he was to be living. Uh, he says there in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I am crucified with Christ. He had learned what it was to be dead to self. That's an important lesson for us all to learn. It, it is. It is the mark of being a disciple of Christ. Well, and think about how it contrasts to before you came to Christ. There was nothing to do with crucifying self. I mean, well, I maybe li- unless you're on a diet. I live for the, the flesh in all of its fashions. And then we come to salvation. We come to Christ. And through the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the work of God in our lives, we find that there are things daily, Paul says, that we're to be crucified. He says, I die daily. I think we'll... In Romans, I mortify my members, yield your members to righteousness, all of this. I think it's part of just being a disciple of Christ as well. I mean, after all, the scripture says, if any man would be my disciple, let him... Deny himself and follow right me. The, right at the same primary emphasis there. It's a denial of self. This life, since the moment, Second Corinthians chapter 5, I began to be in Christ Jesus' salvation. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. Uh, The decisions, therefore, as a believer that I make in life should be directed by him. Therefore, if if, if an individual, a, a child of God, lives in an unbiblical attitude or action, it ultimately minimizes their eagerness to live for Christ. That only barely even needs to be said, but... That's one reason why there's such a waning eagerness to consistently serve God. If the most important thing in life is what I want, then I am not living for Christ. Well, it's coming in between you and your relationship with God. Absolutely it is. And, and there's a you're loving of other things before you're loving the Lord. Sure. The it's last like, verse of 1 John and 5. Keep yourselves from, from idols. idols. Yes, and the greatest idol that we so often uh, deal with on a regular basis is, in fact, the desires of this flesh 
has been well mentioned. And, you know, there are a lot of desires that we have in this world that in and of themselves aren't even sinful, I guess you could say. But whenever you're, whenever that's your focus, it can become an idol. It can come between you and the Lord, and then it's an issue. Yes. So he said there in Philippians, here in Galatians as well, I'm crucified with Christ. Philippians, all those things that were, they are but not, that I might win the excellency of Christ Jesus. He, he realized whose life he was to be living. He was to be living the life that was to be found in Christ Jesus. I think a second aspect of Galatians chapter 2 in keeping to why Paul could have eagerness was this singular thought. He said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by, by faith of the Son of God. He's walking by faith. And that reminds us of this. He recognizes the power to which or in which he should be laboring. Uh, too often we look at ministry, we look at uh, obedience to the commands of scriptures and the principles, and we get weary. Right. And of course, weariness exists everywhere. Parents, you know, get weary. Yeah. You get weary of training up a child and nurture and admonition of Jesus Christ. Spouses get weary seeking a successful, biblically ministry-focused marriage. Um, you hear a lot today, particularly I think about within ministry ling lingo, you hear the idea of getting burned out. Sure. Society expresses it, a reference for, I need a mental, mental health. health day. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, what's the other one? Um, need to go into my bubble. Yeah, I need I need to have a me day, some me time. Um, the fact is, weariness is associated with all type of labor. I am certain uh, a brick mason, a brick mason, gets weary. Absolutely, he does. Or a roofer gets weary, or someone mowing grass gets weary. Uh, so it's experiential. It's part of all of society's experience. It's not just ministry related. However, in regards to the things that I'm doing from the Lord Jesus. He said to be strong in his power and his might. Sometimes the weariness that a believer faces that has reduced their eagerness is directly sourced in selfish ambition. And I might even say outside expectation. So how would that show itself? Well, look, for instance, it may be like um, we used the, the analogy a moment ago about spouses getting weary, having a successful biblical uh, ministry-minded marriage. Okay. I think sometimes taking that as an illustration, it can be extremely wearing if in our mind we have conceived the expectation or the ambition of what, you know, in my particular case and what my wife is going to be. And of course, in my mind, this is what she's going to be. And of course, I exceed the examples of what I think a husband ought to be. Well, of course. You see the conflict that arises right. there. My wife would get wearied Right, and rightfully so. I would become wearied with her, never measuring up. That has nothing to do with the will of God. It's these external things that have been placed upon it. Right. And a little bit of selfish ambition mixed in there, of course. And um, when, when that comes to the point, there's going to be great weariness towards each other. And the same is true in ministry. Uh, we've got to be careful uh, that Christ alone is the source of our joy. Not some ambiguous success. Well, or even how you measure your success. Yes, excellent. Well said. I mean, we, we can host and say, man, if I don't have a 10,000-member sanctuary, I've failed. Right. Well, you know, Paul never had that either. No, never did. So when you look at it in that regard, that's misapplied. A little bit of selfish ambition, a little bit of external expectation. 
Um, we could say, well, it's not things, it's not actions, it's not even the actions of people that should be the direction or the sourcing of my joy. Like a response. I mean, I think about Jeremiah all the time, or even even the ministry of Christ. I mean, you look, it wasn't like they had some megachurch. Jeremiah, I mean, how zero, right? <laughs> well, and Ezekiel, I'm ascending the stiff-necked, rebellious, and stiff-necked people. Uh, I'm guaranteeing you that that is the average church. There wouldn't be many pastors candidating for it. Right. All of that. All right, well, how were they going to respond? God sent these prophets in old and using them for a good illustration. They better have the same mindset that God would have them or they're in for a miserable time and a lot of failed expectations and ambitions. If externals are our source of joy, our joy will only be as full and consistent as those externals are. And speaking of consistencies, externals are never consistent. They do not. They change so rapidly. And there's too many things that we can control. If, if my joy is going to come because of how people receive me. Right. You can't control that. What if they have a bad day? Yeah. Or what if, in Paul's case, they throw you into prison? <laughs> then all of a sudden, let's throw up our hands and quit. That's why Christ has to be the source of our joy. Only joy that that is found in and through him will be full and consistent because it will have the attributes that he alone has. The presence of God's spirit in our life gives us joy despite any weariness of labor. It reminds me a little bit of Nehemiah. Do you, you remember the phrase in Nehemiah? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I mean, he is building the wall. Uh, he is resisted. He is slandered. He is uh, facing all type of discouragement. He's got certain individuals within Israel that, that they refuse to work. There's just all type of hostility. What allowed him the strength and the fortitude to plod on? Right, in the midst of all that weariness. It was the joy of the Lord. And so part of the essence of the reason, if you will, that, that Paul has eagerness is because of the presence of the joy that he's recognized the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Uh, he recognized in whose power he must be laboring. And that brings us to that last phrase in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, who loved me and gave himself for me. What a great expression of love. He recognized the person to which he should be loving. Well, we love him. Because he first loved us. Yes. I think about First John in that same passage. It mentions about in, this is the way that God manifests his love towards us and that he gave his son. And that is a glorious example of consideration. Because God loved me. That's something that we as Christians would do well to reflect on regularly. To be reminded that Christ gave himself for me. It was not at lowly expense. It wasn't a cheap thing. Right. He's ridiculed. He's persecuted. He's mocked. He's beaten. He's threatened. He's murdered, in a sense, you know. Yeah. All of this, why? Because he loved us. Yes. He did it for me. Before we came to Christ, he loved us. Yeah, this is the God of heaven. Yeah. Might we have that inward hope, kind of as the scripture does, Philippians chapter 3, that I might know him. And later on in that passage, talks about being made conformable. To the image. Yes, this is an important thing. The understanding, a growing understanding, I should say, of the work, finished work of Jesus Christ, how he's translated me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, and that that love to which I can never be separated from, that ought to produce joy 
and an eagerness to serve in every aspect. The trials of this life, the difficulties that sometimes are often lived with are but light affliction in the comparison of his work in us. Therefore, we should seek to be eager in our labor for him, and we should have that eagerness and that joy as to the same example that you know that he gave us. What is it, Hebrews chapter 12? Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne. Of Isn't that fantastic? The joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's a great example for us. He pursued us with joy, eagerly seeking to save the one that was lost. So eagerly should we, with great joy, serve him. That takes us to our verse for the day, and it comes out of Luke chapter 15. If you remember, Luke chapter 15 is, uh, there's three parables about three lost things. There's the lost son, there's the lost coin, and then first off, we have our passage here, there's the lost sheep. And so there's, in the parable, there's 99 sheep, there's a shepherd, well, there's 100 sheep. 99 of them are with the shepherd, and there's one that's lost. And so that shepherd goes out, Eagerly, he goes out in readiness, and he finds that one sheep. And then this is the verse that we find, his response as he finds that sheep. Luke chapter 15, verse 5. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. What a wonderful thing to consider that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is rejoicing in our salvation, and we ought to be rejoicing in the salvation that he has given us. So until next time, we want to challenge you to continue rejoicing in the Word. Thank you for listening.